Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to Travel Like a Boss podcast. I am back in Chiang Mai and I'm back with Nick Danforth. How's it going? Welcome back, dude. Dude, thank you. I'm so and excited episode, to be back. Episode 185, you're coming up on 200. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I think we're going to have to do a special 200th episode. Almost like UFC 200. UFC 200. Travel like a boss 200. Yeah, I like it. And you were back on episode 114, which we recorded in Koh Lanta. No, I think we recorded it here, actually. We were in Thailand. I don't remember. No, we were definitely in Koh Lanta. Okay. Because I remember, if you guys have listened to the episode, we talked about how Nick basically... Did you drop out of high school or... Sort of, yeah. So, like, I left high school... We'll just do the abbreviated version. Left high school junior year. I was like, I'm done with high school. I want to start going to college because I was sick of high school. Did one semester of college. And then I was like, nah, I don't want this. So then I left college. And so I haven't dropped been out of both. Yeah, I dropped <laughs> out of both. Double dropout. All right. Well, <laughs> now you're pretty successful and living a good life. And actually, that's actually why I wanted to have you on the show is because we were talking this morning over coffee about you know, what we did this past year. So this is, you know, the New Year's special. It yeah, is, it's worth saying that it's the 31st of December. Yeah. So, and by the I time mean, you guys listen to it, it's going to be 2018. So, so Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah. But we were talking about kind of what we did this past year, uh, also our goals for next year, but also kind of what we've been up to because I haven't seen you now in... It's been since February. Yeah. So I haven't been back in Thailand for almost a year, which is the longest I've ever gone without being in Thailand for the past decade. That's crazy, dude. But in that time, you've pretty much moved here. Yeah, so Steph, my wife and I, we basically moved here um, in July this year. Uh, we've traveled to Chiang Mai a few times and spent decent stretches here, but we've mostly been traveling for the last five years. Like We started just bouncing around. Before we even knew like digital nomadism was a thing, we started traveling and i was working online at the time and you know we weren't making much but we were making enough to get by and just like enjoying traveling around we've been doing that for a few years now and i think as most people do you sort of slow down over time and you find places that you like and you keep going back to them um and i think it just hit us earlier this year that we were ready to be settled again like we still are traveling like we travel probably more than the average person in a nine-to-five job and we have friends all over the world so we'll go to europe to visit friends or down to australia or other parts of thailand but I think we were really ready to have a base again, and Chiang Mai just makes sense as a good place for a base. Like It ticks a lot of boxes, and so we moved here early, earlier this year, and so this is the longest stretch that you've gone without being in Thailand. This is the longest stretch that we've been in one country for like the last five years, so we've like flip-flopped. Yeah, it's crazy, but I really think that it's becoming a trend, especially with the long-term nomads, the people that I've met now you know, years ago who are still living this lifestyle. And I actually think most people are. I, I think I know very few people who went back to their hometown to live again after living the nomad life. There's a few people who have settled somewhere. Uh, I think that's almost nomad 2.0. Yeah, I think that it's just natural. Like, I think it's a, a natural trend to expect. There are people who will say like, yeah, I'm going to travel forever. Like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to like live somewhere again. I'm always going to live out of a bag, which, you know, I think is a cool idea for a while. Like we thought that that could be an option at a certain point, but, but after a while, I think we all just realized like there's some really nice things about being settled. And I think it fills a lot of basic human needs, like emotional, mental, psychological needs to have somewhere 
where you live. And the cool thing about like living a nomadic life for a while is you get to try a bunch of different cities, d- different countries and cultures. You meet different people, you expand your worldview, you can grow a business, and then you sort of get the luxury of choosing like, all right, well, where do I want to go? You're not so limited in your thinking where as you might just stay in your hometown or move to a different state or something like that. You know, it starts becoming like realistic to say, yeah, I'm going to move to Thailand. And so, you know, here we are, a couple of Americans, but like living in Thailand and like really trying to set up here and have a home base. And that's like a really cool 2.0, as you say, like a really cool next step, I think, in the nomad journey. Yeah, I really like it. For the last 10 months, I've been living out of a duffel bag, Mm -hmm. my North Face rolling duffel. And it wasn't until literally like a few days ago when I was in the US and I was getting ready to pack again, but I had ordered all the stuff from online. God, and, I miss Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, actually, the reason why I don't miss it, I don't live, miss living in the US, is because it's so easy to buy stuff and just accumulate mostly junk. You know, I would yeah, say, yeah. obviously, 100% of things that you buy online or you buy in general, you want it at that time. But what percentage of things do you think you still want? And you know, I don't want to say reg- regret buying because, you know, that's not a good word. But I guess the, the real key question would be, you know, three, six, months later or maybe a year later, if you pick up that item that you still have, if you could have traded that for that amount of cash and just never bought it in the first place, yeah, would you do yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. I guess I guess that's a good point. It's it makes it like really special actually now when like friends come over from the US because we're like, oh man, we can place an Amazon order and have them bring us some stuff and like we actually appreciate it a little bit more. Um, yeah. And it yeah. forces us to really think about, you know, like is this something we really want? Mm-hmm. Because not only do we have to bother a friend to bring it to us but we know it's going to be, you know, we have to wait like months and months of thinking about it and saying, do I really need this thing? Do I really want it? And it kind of just makes it easier to have less stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a byproduct of living out of a bag for a while too. Like those of us who have traveled for a few years, you just, it shifts your mindset a little bit um, where you don't even think about purchasing stuff as much. Um, that said, now that we're like living here, it's been so weird. Like I bought like a blender and I bought a coffee pot again and i had to buy like bed sheets and a new bath mat like all this stuff that i haven't had to think about for ages and like screwdrivers for the house and cleaning supplies it's like whoa (laughs) like it's it's very different at this point like but it also feels really good yeah it feels really good to be settled here and we're really enjoying just like having a base again yeah i I like it and you have Really, really cool apartment. Thanks, dude. So you're living right on Neiman Heyman Road, which mm-hmm. is the main kind of cool area of Chiang Mai. Yep. Where all the nomads pretty much live. Yep. And we live here because it's, it, I think it's the best. Yeah, I think it, it depends what you're after. Like, um, we, we really enjoy being here, but to be honest, we're, we're thinking about moving, you know, further outside of the city, um, cause we both, drive scooters and we were talking about earlier how easy it is to get around with uber now and there's definitely a part of us that you know like we don't as much as it's cool to have like coffee shops and restaurants and stuff to do like right on your doorstep we don't need it and we've sort of settled into a little bit more boring lifestyle honestly where we spend more time at home and it would be cool to have like a yard and you know a little more peace and quiet and stuff like that but i don't know that's the cool thing about still maintaining that location independent sort of lifestyle is like we have income that's not dependent on us commuting to an office and we work from home and we get to sort of set up our life how we want so if we want to live like right here in the middle of you know the happening area of Chiang Mai we can do that and if we decide like next year we want to move to a house and be like 20 minutes outside of town we can do that and it's not like a big like imposition on our lifestyle we can just sort of adjust our life to fit it yeah you're right and I guess best location or best place really is relative to what we need what we want you two are in a relationship 
you know, you guys are enjoying a lot of kind of home time, cooking a lot, even though it's normal and it's actually, it's very nice when you first move to Thailand to eat 21 meals at a restaurant. Yeah, totally. Because it's cheap, it's convenient, it's fast. But when you live here kind of long term doing the Nomad 2.0, it's kind of nice to be able to cook. Yeah, definitely. And the more like I've been thinking about it, this whole like if we want to call it nomad 2.0 like season that we're moving into and i think a lot of people are moving into it's not about picking like one thing over the other it's more just about having the option to do a lot of things so like for us and i think for many people when you first start traveling like you start traveling because you want to see places but also you don't have the money to maintain a a base back at home wherever you're from and then go travel freely or whatever like it just makes financial sense just like pack everything up and move from place to place, rent short term. But now like we're reaching this point and there's a lot of people reaching this point where it's like they find somewhere they want to live and their businesses are doing better too. And you make enough money where like we can have a home base here. But also if a friend's like, hey, let's go down to Australia for a couple of weeks or, or let's let's plan this trip. It's not like, ah, uh, crap, well, I'm paying double rent now and or, and I can't disappear or I can't go away for like a month or two. Like we're reaching this point where we we can maintain a home base here still travel as much as we like while having something to come back to and i think it's the same with like having a nice kitchen and cooking and stuff like we still eat out probably half our meals um but it's also nice to say you know what i can afford to have a nice kitchen and i can cook when i want i can eat out when i want i'm not limited to like one or the other i like that and in the beginning it's good to be able to ha- you know your house hack or location arbitrage yeah, hack totally. where we save a lot of money like it's literally cheaper for me to travel full time than to live back in California. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, it, you can definitely live cheaper in Chiang Mai too. Like, just to go off that location arbitrage thing, a lot of a lot of people come here because they are bootstrapping. They want to save money. It's an awesome place to do that. But like, we spend like eight hundred, nine hundred dollars U.S. dollars a month on an apartment, which if you're coming from California isn't that much. But if you're somebody who's been in Chiang Mai, like we've had so many people like, oh my gosh, that's so expensive. How could you be spending that much money? But you reach this nomad 2.0 state and it's not all about saving money. It's not all about having like the cheapest. It's more about planning and orchestrating your life to give you the most value and the most like quality. And that's like a really cool place to be where we have some money and we are living somewhere where it's cheap for sure, like compared to a lot of Western cities. But now we're like sort of making our money really work for us and and saying, what do we want out of life and how can our money get us there? And whether we're spending, you know, like $900 on an apartment in Chiang Mai or we find something for $300, it doesn't matter so much. It's more about the value that we're getting out of it. Yeah. And I think before people get upset, you know, because actually a lot of people, when they found out how much I'm paying now, they, they, they think I'm insane. Yeah, you're getting ripped off. And like, why would you ever pay that much in Chiang Mai? Yeah. And but I think it's... And there's there's no like da- like I don't want people listening to this who are just starting out thinking that Nomad 2.0 is better than Nomad 1.0 or no. whatever you want to call it. It's just a different stage, you know. Where I when I first came, I really valued having a low cost of living so I could bootstrap my business, mm-hmm. so I can you know kind of extend you know my life and kind of start living the location dependent life sooner than I'd be able to if I had to save up and build you know a bigger business. But now that I'm actually, you know, or both of us, you know, and not just the two of us, but like literally a lot of people that we know who have been working online now or being a nomad for many years are starting to make a lot of money, you know, and, and we can afford to live in a thousand dollar apartments versus, you know, and having like real creature comforts at home. So like both of us now live in a great location with a big apartment, like nice big living room where mm-hmm. people can come over and we can entertain, you know, and we can have, 
friends come over to watch movies and all throw yeah, on the couch totally. versus having a studio apartment or just like a room, which is pretty much, you know, where most people live when they first come because it's mm-hmm. cheap. It's like, yeah. you know, two to three hundred dollars a month. And it also forces you to get out and experience the city, which I think is really important when you go somewhere. Like when we first came to Chiang Mai, um, we lived in a smallish one bedroom apartment and it was comfortable, but there wasn't much to it. But we were out all the time. Like we were trying coffee shops and trying restaurants and exploring the neighborhood. And that was really valuable. Like I think if we had moved into like a super posh, comfy place when we first got here, we wouldn't have experienced as much of Chiang Mai because it would have been way easier to just uh, sit at home or or just stay within a very, very small radius. Yeah. By not having a kitchen when you first come. And because so just kind of give an idea of what apartments are like in Thailand. Most people live in the equivalent of a hotel room. You know, there's, yeah. there's no kitchen. Uh, you have a, like a bed and a bathroom. Yeah. And that's it. And if you step up, it's still like a hotel room, but it's more like extended stay America or something. Like you might have a little kitchenette, a microwave and a tiny two burner stove, which really isn't good for anything and a little sink and barely any counter space. So like you might be able to make breakfast in the morning or make a cup of coffee, but you're not really going to be sitting there preparing full meals. Yeah. And, you know, usually you're not going to have like space for more than like one or two people to come over. Yeah. So you're not going to hang out at home. And in the beginning, it's fine because it forces you to eat out 21 meals a week pretty much. So you're exploring, you're having fun. And if you're here for short term, it's great. But now that, you know, there's a lot of people in our position who are doing like the long-term nomading where we don't want to get burnt out. We want to have the creature comforts of being home yeah. while still have the benefits of being location-dependent, living in other places – now it's nice to be able to have friends over to watch a movie or play video games or cook or play board games. Yeah, absolutely. And we've already done all that exploring. And I mean, we're still finding new places. Chiang Mai is such an awesome city, especially like I would I would advise anybody who's coming here and really wants to have a full experience of the place, like get out of the neighborhood too, like explore Niman. But like we're starting to explore like lots of really cool places on the east side or south of the city or north of the city. Like we're finding so much cool new stuff. But the fact that we've already done some time of just having to eat out all the time and working out of a coffee shop because we didn't have like a desk at home and stuff like that it means that now we feel so free we have so many options it's like if i just want to sit at home i've got a big kitchen i can make a meal but i also know dozens of restaurants and if feeling lazy like i just pop down the road or i can even get on my scooter and drive a few minutes and i can go to an awesome restaurant i can still eat cheap i can still enjoy those things that people a lot of people come to thailand for like cheap cost of living uh nice restaurants great food and coffee shops and stuff it's just like i said it's about having the option yeah and a lot of it is actually just setting goals because i was telling nick earlier about the apartment i'm in that that was my goal Three years ago when I first looked at it, I remember at that time I had just started my first dropshipping store. So I was making okay money, but it wasn't making a ton. I was making yeah. like, let's say like two grand a month or something. Mm-hmm. And there's no way I was able to afford, you know, a $1,000 a month apartment because I would have been half my money. Yeah. I wouldn't have had any money to travel or to save up. But I remember looking at it thinking, this is amazing. It has floor to ceiling windows. It has a separate shower and this huge kind of bathtub that you could fit two people in. It was just comfortable and beautiful. I had a great view. And I remember thinking, this is where I want to live. This is my goal. And it took me, you know, way longer than probably needed to, to reach that goal. <laughs> but I was, you know, I, I think now that I actually like moved in and during the day, instead of feeling like I need to leave the house, I can just sit there and have a view of, you know, palm trees and banana trees and the swimming pool, have lots of natural light. 
and just have space where I can work from home if I wanted to instead of feeling like I need to get out of the house as soon as I wake up because it's just not comfortable to be in this small place. Yeah, absolutely. And and the great thing is at the end of the day, it's still not that expensive. Um, like compared to living in the West, it's still not that expensive. $1,000 won't get you much in many Western cities. So the fact that you can have that luxury really does show that the power of location arbitrage is still there. Even when you start to splurge, you're still not out a lot of money. When you come out to a place like Chiang Mai or Eastern Europe or whatever, you can still live a very, very high quality of life. And yeah, you're not going to be living on $1,000 a month or whatever, but you, you up your budget a little bit and your standard of living goes through the roof in a place like this. Yeah, definitely. So I remember for the longest time, like pretty much the first four years of my life, I was on a $600 a month budget, which is about 20,000 baht. And it was fine. You know, you get your own place, you know, basically a, a hotel room. Uh, you, you eat out Thai food every meal and you still have a little bit of money left over for a gym or a co-working space membership or something. And it was fine. I really enjoyed it. You know, I literally wrote a book about it called 12 Weeks in Thailand, The Good Life on the Cheap. And I'm really happy I did that. And I still encourage most people to start that way. You know, I don't encourage most people to come and right away check into the nicest place they can to settle down because as Nick said, you don't, you don't explore and you don't do all the, the things that kind of living that more basic life kind of almost forces you to do, but also gives you the options to do because when you're paying $300 a month for rent, it's normal just, you know, it's really easy to keep that place year round, even though you might travel six months out of it because at the end of the day, you're only paying like, you know, three grand a month, a year for rent. Yeah. But if you have a place that's $1,000 a month, even though you can technically Airbnb it out or, you know, have someone stay there or sublet it, it's hard just to leave empty. And it's nice to have that option to be able to leave it empty, but it's hard, especially in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say, like, for anyone who's curious, because I like being, you know, open and transparent about it. Um, right now, Steph and I, so there's two of us, we're married, we have a really nice apartment in the most expensive neighborhood in Chiang Mai, probably. Um, we're spending around 100,000 baht a month all in. So that's around 3,000 US dollars. And that includes rent and it factors in visa fees, weekend trips, groceries, all that. And this is the highest quality of life we've ever had in living somewhere. Like we don't really restrict in any way. Like if a friend wants to go out to like a nice craft beer bar or go out and have a cocktail on the river or something, we'll go do that. We eat out whenever we want. We also cook at home whenever we want and we'll buy like import food products and stuff, which are typically expensive. And there are undoubtedly going to be people who hear this and are just appalled that we spend so much money in Chiang Mai and we're like getting ripped off left and right. But it's just it's really cool to see that for thirty six thousand dollars a year just in expenditures, um, two people can live such an amazing high quality of life. So if if you're maybe thinking about like maybe you've been traveling for a while, you're thinking about like I want to settle somewhere longer term, or you're looking to increase your quality of life and you don't know like what goals to set, that might give you an idea of what we're spending for two people. And like I said, we're very very comfortable. We're not lacking for anything. Yeah, and that's you know awesome that as a couple. You know, three grand as a couple really isn't that much because it's fifteen hundred each. Yeah. If you're single, it you know you probably be spending let's say two grand, uh, maybe 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 twenty five hundred because yeah. a lot of it is the, the apartment costs. But even then, I, yeah, I would say about two grand, right? Yeah. And even then, for that quality of life, there's no way we can have that in the U.S. for anything less than double. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but you know, it we still have goals and. Even if we don't move back to the U.S., it would be amazing, you know, like 
I think for anyone to be in a place financially where they could move to the US or they could move to Western Europe or something if they really wanted to be there and not have money be a limiting factor. That's that's just a part of life, I think, for, for all of us, for for every entrepreneur, there's always seasons where money is a limiting factor and you have to watch it and you have to be careful and a lot of your choices are determined by money. But getting to a point of financial freedom is is something that we've always prioritized and we're still working towards, you know, saving saving even more for retirement and stuff like that, but not having to make life choices based on money, but more based on happiness and health and and what we need to prosper and succeed just just in in all aspects of life is a really incredible place to be in. I like it. So I'm sure everyone's wondering, what are you actually doing for for money? Man, so it's changed since we last talked. Believe it or not, I'm actually so I stepped aside from consulting and doing research and stuff like that, um, just because. And this could be a whole separate podcast. I've been I've been learning a lot about myself, becoming more self aware, and also changing just how I view money. And I've just realized that even though I'm good at business and there are aspects I enjoy about business, I don't want my life to be dominated by business. Money for me and and for Steph and I as a couple is really just a tool that we use to enable ourselves to live the life that we want, to be able to give back, um, to obviously be able to support ourselves and a family. And we don't want to put more time and effort into it than we need because it's purely a means to an end. Um, and we're, tr- I've been trying to detach emotion from it. And so I stepped aside from consulting and I actually started, um, I would start doing a few side projects, but one of them was drop shipping items on eBay. Oh, I, I yeah, actually had no idea. You well, that. we were only just seeing each other now after, after almost a year. So I started doing that and it started doing well. And I really enjoyed it because it was very methodical, very transactional. There wasn't much emotion behind it. It's, a to B, like volume to dollars. Um, and it was something that I could like shut the laptop on and walk away from. And it was just sort of, sort of like a manual labor job almost, I guess. It's just something you do and it makes money. And then you go and you live your life, which I was really missing when I was running a business. Um, so I, you know, I need to close out my books for December, but I think I did around $8,400 in profit off of the eBay store. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. One eBay store. Um, and so now I'm working on um, just automating it, optimizing it. I have a team of VAs who are already doing a lot of stuff. My goal for the next few months is to really get it fully automated because I don't need $8,000 a month. It's nice, but I don't need it. I'd much rather have total freedom of time and take $5,000 a month and go start something else. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I've been doing. Um, Steph has spent most of the year doing web design and branding. Uh, she does logos. She also has a gig on Fiverr for logo design, which has done pretty well. And she's actually now totally outsourced that to somebody else who's managing it. So we got that as an income stream. Um, she's actually started a drop shipping store just for kicks and giggles, and it's starting to make some money. But for the most part, it's a wash at this point, just experimenting and you know we're throwing money into ads and stuff. But yeah, we have a few other like little side projects going. I think Steph has a digital goods store on Etsy, a lot of little bits and bobs, but that's that was the big the big money for for the last few months. It's actually Dude, this eBay you just, store. You, you just blew my mind. I <laughs> had no idea that you started doing that. <laughs> yeah, um but it, it has been really really nice just sort of separating like separating my emotions and my mind from money a bit and especially moving into this nice apartment and getting settled in life like I don't want to be thinking about business all the time. Like I'm really enjoying things like cooking and exercise and going out to the park with friends. And and when I look back at my life, I don't want to look back on my life and have my only legacy be like 
I spent a lot of time building business and I lived in amazing places and spent 10 hours a day working on my business. I guess I'm really moving more towards that lifestyle entrepreneur thing. And I know that has a lot of negative connotations, but just trying to be really thoughtful about it and get into a really healthy view of money and and wealth and prosperity. And sort of that's what I've stumbled upon, like building digital assets and things that, that will make me money automatically or things that I can work on that don't require a lot of really intense decision making, a lot of really intense thought and emotion I can just sort of set up a a mechanism, an operation that's going to make money, and then focus on the important things in life like friendship, family, health, and yeah. I love it. That's that's amazing. (laughs) And you know what's So what's crazy is I just spent the last month staying at my buddy David Vu's house in Huntington Beach, California, and he reminded me that just like two years ago, when I first interviewed him on the show about dropshipping on eBay, that was episode 82, I didn't – I was skeptical – even though I had a successful dropshipping business online, I thought that dropshipping on eBay would, I don't want to call it a scam, but people like, you hear like, you know, all these people, you know, trash talking it online on Reddit or on Facebook groups saying that doesn't work. There's no possible way, you know, yeah. you can make money dropshipping on eBay. And that's why I interviewed him because he had a course that seemed like he was getting good results and it seemed like he knew what he was talking about. So I interviewed him and I was like, you know what? Everything works. Like, yeah. And I think the longer you're in business, the more creative you get in your thinking. And I think that's some of the special sauce that I brought to the table when I started selling stuff on eBay. The bottom line is there are so many ways to skin a cat that money is not that difficult to come by. You just have to identify gaps in a market. You have to figure out how you can provide value. And very importantly, you do have to work hard. Like even if you want to get to a business that you're only working, you know, like the four hour work week or whatever, like you do have to work hard. You have to invest and you have to be consistent. And so, um, so I saw some opportunity on eBay. Uh, I saw like international markets that were being underserved. Um, I saw an opportunity to provide really, really amazing customer service and go above and beyond, like give people the small business sort of experience when they're buying through eBay. And it's things like that that have, that have helped me win. And, and so to anybody who discounts any type of business, there might be smarter ways to do, um, business than like you see somebody else doing it. Like there might be optimizations that you could apply, but anything will work if you if you put yourself to it, you test, you keep what works, you get rid of what doesn't, and you just figure out ways to be creative and unique in a market. And so, yeah, it's done It's done really well. And I very realistically expect it to be a healthy six-figure income next year. I don't feel like it's tapped out. It's still growing. But as nice as that is going to be, it's not my number one priority to make lots more money with it. Like right now, I want to automate it. I want to free up even a little more mental space. Let it run. If I make less money, no problem. Um, but I think I will actually make more like having time to focus on the business and how to strategize and grow it. So it's done pretty well. I like it. Big congrats on that. man. Thanks dude. And actually what's funny is right when you said it, even without knowing your business, cause I, I literally didn't even know you were doing it until li- like live on this podcast. Yeah. I can already tell that you would be good at it because I really think that when someone has good business skills in another field, they just apply it to whatever next business it is. I guarantee if you took, you know, a, some a successful business person and you just put them in a different industry or, you know, for example, if for whatever reason Jeff Bezos decided to start <laughs> dropshipping on eBay for whatever reason, not that he would. Yeah. I bet you he would destroy it. He would do yeah. so well because he would put the work ethic in, he would put the ideas in, and he would just dominate. And the fact that, you know, 
you had the skill set, you know, built up uh, from running the other businesses and the work ethic. I knew that you would you would do well with this. That's great. Yeah, I think that's also like I want to dovetail that into recommending like if anybody's starting in business try a bunch of things because that experience like whether you realize it or not it impacts your decision making it impacts the way you view problems and so somebody who's tried a bunch of different businesses and failed and then starts something successful is probably going to be more successful than a person who started something and was successful the first time because we're a product of of our experiences and so even if you try three or four different business models or try a, several different things and none of them do well you'll probably be more successful in the end because whether you realize it or not that failure is an important part of business experience and that makes you a a smarter business person in the long term yeah i, I can definitely see that and it's it's crazy how many like doubters there are out there and, and and i know there's probably a lot of kind of misinformation yeah you know there is like really hypey guys like ty lopez yep. selling the lifestyle and i think it kind of leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths you know and, and i'm sure there's you know there's some courses out there or probably a lot of courses out there taught by people who have never done it themselves yeah um so it's there's there's a lot of like you know it's hard it's, it's difficult to have the right mindset getting in but i think when i'm when i meet people who have been successful at really any business, they can look at something and be like, oh, I, I can see how that works. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And ways to improve it too. But yeah, it's it, like I said, it's done well and it's been a really nice departure from interacting with clients and having to think about business strategy and growth and all this stuff all the time, which there's aspects of that that I really, really love too. I love building relationships with clients and I love solving complex problems. But like I said, ultimately, I don't want my only legacy to be a person who built great businesses. And so, yeah, drop shipping isn't something that I want to do forever. It's not like my dream job, but I'm thinking less and less about what my dream job is and thinking more and more about what my dream life is. Yeah. And and there are so many more important things in life for me than building a business. So I don't have any aspirations right now to go and build another company or start a big corporation or whatever. Maybe I will, but right now it's just not a priority and I feel really, really blessed to have some business knowledge and to have opportunities on the internet to make money that enable me to live, you know, such a high quality of life. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think the fact that our living costs are so low that we have that option to say, you know what, let's start something new that potentially might make us nothing. Yeah. Or if it does make us money, maybe it'll you know, initially make a little bit less than our other business, but yeah. it gives us more time and freedom. And the fact that you started it while, you know, being abroad, it almost... It forces us to make everything location dependent and easily outsourceable or automated. Yep, keeping it lean, keeping it low cost, low friction, and yeah, outsourceable. And it's really great because my – it's really great living over here. A side benefit is that my VAs are all in the Philippines. And so we're only one hour time zone difference. So I get a lot of time to work with my team, which is another reason why I think I've succeeded because – I've been able to pass so much off and work real time with them and train them and answer their questions throughout the day. And they've grown a lot and come a lot further than they would have if I was, you know, managing them from the US or from Europe. So that's been cool. So how long have you been dropshipping on eBay now? I put up my first products about maybe 15 months ago. I didn't make any meaningful money. Like I, I think I made my first $1,000 a month in January of this year. Um, and then I think it was April, I made 3,500 
In May, I made around 5,000. I sort of leveled off through the summer, which is a slower e-commerce time, and I've just sort of ramped up now for the holidays. I've also been doing a lot of experimenting, too. I've probably shot myself in the foot in some ways because I've tried this. I'm like, let's delete a thousand listings in one go and see what happens. And let's try like totally changing the process. And I've probably slowed my growth in that way, but it's been fun to experiment. And yeah, it's, it's done pretty consistently well. Very cool. So first three months, you know, wasn't making that much money, just no. experimenting. And then I think I broke even. Okay. I think I broke even, but you got the, the data, you got the learning experience, got to start building up your account. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when most people give up. They're like, yeah, I've been doing this for three months, not making any money. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something that has served me well is I was thinking pretty long term at the start. So I was, I went in and I priced my items really low, like to the point where I basically made no money. Some of them I even took a loss on, but I knew that because I was selling on a platform, platforms reward you for sales. They reward you for like regular activity. And it would be way better for me long term to sell products at a loss for a few months and build up a good account standing on eBay as opposed to like trying to make money from the first sale, uh, which a lot of people do, but then their growth is a lot slower. And I'm sure it's a way to do it, but but I think there's a lot of benefit to thinking long-term, not getting emotionally invested in every single sale and making money from every single transaction. And yeah, that, that could be a whole other podcast talking about like the mechanisms of that, but but it's done pretty well and I'm, I'm very happy about it. That makes sense because... You know, I'm, I'm assuming it was a new eBay account, so you didn't have the reputation, you didn't have the reviews yep. yet. So the fact that you can sell products, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend to anyone to lose a ton of money on a product, but if you're just breaking even, yeah. you're getting a positive review, you know, you're getting your account built up and some momentum, then it's a great investment. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to keep doing it for a little while. Um, if I get it fully automated, I'll probably sit on it for a while. It is an option. I could sell it and transfer the account to somebody and get a lump sum of cash. So we'll just sort of have to see where life takes us and what goals are going forward. When did you hire your first VA? I hired my first VA the first month I made $1,000. So in January, I hired a VA. Really smart. So you took that first $1,000 in profit and you're like, okay, I'm going to find someone. And yep. what, what are you paying them? So I've got a few different VAs. Uh, VAs that are doing like hourly tasks for me, like customer service and updating stuff on the store. I generally pay them around $3 US an hour. Sometimes I pay them a little less, but I also really like to bonus my VAs. I like to keep my team happy. I like to incentivize them. So I'll send them gifts and I'll, I'll chuck 50 bucks in their account or something like that, um, which makes them really loyal uh, to me and, and really makes them invested in their job. And then I also have VAs who are creating listings on eBay for me so that the store is always growing. Um, and they're getting paid anywhere from 25 cents to 40 cents a listing, depending on the VA, how long they've been with me, like what their specialty is. And where are you finding the VAs? I've been finding them on Upwork, but I'm thinking about hiring my next member from a website called onlinejobs.ph. And I have hired from there before, and I have found good quality VAs. Uh, the benefit of doing that is you pay a one-time fee to access the site, but then you don't pay any fees to the platform ongoing. So if you want to find a VA long-term, it can be a good option because otherwise Upwork is going to take, I think it's 5% extra from you and then 5 to 20% from your VA of every single payment. Whereas online jobs, you get their contact information directly and then you can pay them directly through PayPal or Payoneer or something. That makes sense. So I actually used onlinejobs.ph when I first started my, my first option store like three mm-hmm. or four years ago and they were great. They were amazing. Yeah. But then I tried them again last year and I hated them. I would I would maybe try them again. You might have just got a bad apple because I hired somebody uh, for the company that I was, I was doing last year um, and she was incredible. I hired her through online jobs and she's just 
she had all the right skills. She was really, really communicative, really good English. I think what it is is it's 100% dependent on the person you find, not necessarily the platform. Yes. I think the reason why I was really disappointed with online jobs this year was I remember in the beginning, it, it felt like they screened their VAs really well. So the mm. applicants I got were all like high decent quality, and high yeah. quality. And then as it, as it grew and it got bigger, this last year, I felt like the 50 applicants I got were all just spamming me and mm. none of them were like really trying to, to get a, like, like for example, uh, I would say in the description, say to apply, send a one to two minute unlisted YouTube video. Yeah. And the first time, you know, pretty much everyone did it. And yeah. then it was easy to screen out the ones that didn't. And this last time I got 50 kind of cut and paste messages and no, no videos, no, no videos and nobody read it. Yeah. That's terrible. So, I will have to go in when I do my hiring and see how it is this time. But with that in mind, I would recommend anybody who wants to try online jobs, make sure you really have some time set aside to go through candidates and hire because it will take longer and you want to get you, you know your money's value if you're paying that monthly fee and you want to try and hire someone through online jobs. It probably is just a lot more saturated market. So if you don't have time to really go through and screen people and interview them, I would say just go with Upwork or something. And then when you have some time flexibility to go through potentially like 50 to 100 applicants, online jobs might be a better fit for a long-term. Yeah, day. it definitely sounds that like even though I was disappointed with online jobs, in the long run, especially after you've everything's been set up and you just and you want to save the upwork fee which i can i can see being annoying Mm -hmm. uh, having to pay that long term i can definitely see getting like a good like long-term candidate i think the reason why i'm so like unhappy with online jobs is because i emailed them like my experience like not even in a pissed off way but just like letting them know like hey here's the things some things you guys can prove you know it seems like you know your candidates aren't even reading the emails they're just like you know copying me spamming and they basically just wrote back like you know, whatever. Canned response. Yeah. 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 Well, that's unfortunate. I haven't interacted with their customer support at all, but I have had good success. So anybody who's looking to hire VAs, I would say try both Upwork and online jobs. They're two of the most well-known places to find them. And between the two, uh, you'll have to definitely go through an interview process or whatever, but between the two, you should find good workers. Like all my current workers I said are from Upwork and they're great. So what is your interview process like? It really depends on the position. A lot of what I want to do when I'm hiring is figure out like who people are because I want to keep them longer term. I just want to know more about their personality because what I've seen in business is personality is really important to success. Like some people have a really like go get them, like driven to win personality. And some people just want a job and just want some cash. Um, some people are actually interested in, uh, in an industry or a field. And some people just see it as a way to make money. And neither is right or wrong, but they're, they're good for different positions. So I've got a girl right now who started off listing for me, but I'm moving her into doing order processing and customer service and stuff. When I interviewed her, she talked a lot about wanting to build a location independent income stream. She talked about wanting to learn how platforms like eBay and Amazon work. She showed a lot of interest and she asked me good questions through the interview. So I obviously asked how long can you work each day? Like what days do you need off? Have you worked with these software before and stuff? And, you know, those are sort of like routine questions. Like, what are some of your goals? Like I just said. But then she shot back some questions like, I want to know more about your eBay account. How long have you been running? Like, do you mind sharing like a screenshot of your sales to me? Like, what's one of the number one things you've learned? That to me is really impressive when someone has enough investment in landing a job that they want to 
you know, ask questions. I think that's like interview 101 too for people who have gone out and gotten jobs like brick and mortar. Like you want to ask good questions and you want to have a good dialogue. And I look for that when I'm hiring VAs. I think a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot with VAs because they don't view them like employees. And sometimes they just view them like a cog in a machine. Whereas I try and hire every VA like a long-term employee, like somebody who I'd be paying a salary to. And so I really want to know what makes them tick. Uh, I obviously want to know if they're qualified for the position and if they speak good English and stuff. But that's sort of obvious. Anybody can figure out how to how to hire somebody who can do the actual task. I'm more interested in how committed are you to growing this business? What are your goals after this? Like, what do you want to do after this job? Like, because I highly doubt any of my VAs want to be an eBay lister at 25 cents a listing long term. Yeah. So I'm curious if you interview someone and their goal was to start their own eBay store. Would you still hire them knowing that they're going to just learn and and leave you? Uh, it would be on a case-by-case basis for sure um, because you know when somebody says that, you, you instantly have the guard up or I would saying, okay, well, they could be like ripping off listings from my store or, or stuff like that. Um, most people I think won't, but I just try and go with a gut sense on, first of all, is this a good person? Like, because it's totally fine in any industry to go apprentice with somebody or work with somebody and then start your own business. Um, and ultimately, I want to see my VAs succeed long term. So I would say for the most part, if I don't feel like somebody's about to rip me off, I will happily hire them knowing that they're going to leave at some point. I like to figure out, hey, when do you think you might want to go start your own thing? Like, is there a certain point or a certain amount of money you want to make before you do that? Um, and then I try and work with those within those time constraints. But those people generally provide some of the best work. And if I know that they're going to leave, what I can also do is I can say, hey, you learn this position inside and out because you're going to need to do it anyways for your eBay store. And then you train my next VA and I'll have a Filipino training a Filipino. They'll have a lot more, uh, just a lot simpler time communicating. Even though Filipinos speak great English, there are cultural norms that they might be able to communicate that I wouldn't even think about. So... I try not to have a scarcity mindset with it. It's like, I know that there's plenty of good workers out there. I can always find somebody to do the job. I would rather have the person who wants to go start their own thing long-term because they're going to soak up all the information I give them. That's actually a really, really good point that you brought up about just having them train the next VA Yeah, because that can be part of the deal. Say, hey, you know, I want you to succeed long-term. I, you know, I want you to have the skills. Uh, obviously, I don't want to lose you in you know six months, yeah. but... If you just promise me that you'll you'll train the next VA before you leave, I'm happy to help you you know help you get through this process and uh, give you the skills to to be able to do it. And if anything, that's you know, like a huge win win for both people. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not I'm not afraid of that at all. Um, and like the the girl who I was talking about a few minutes ago, she does want to start her own store, and I totally support that. And I actually want to help her because she's helped me so much. Um, but she's just really taken to it. She's done a lot of independent learning and independent study. And she'll come to me like on a Monday and be like, Hey, over the weekend, I was watching some videos and I I learned about this thing. Have you ever tried this? Or would you be okay trying this in your store? So she actually has helped my business grow far beyond the task that I initially gave her. And um, yeah, I'm just going to have her work with the other VAs that I hire. And I think it'll be I think it'll be good long term. But I do go off that gut sense at first because there are some people who could want to start their own thing, be a little seedy and just come in and rip all of my like high selling listings and just copy them, paste them, drop the price and stuff like that. And obviously, you don't want to hire someone like that. Okay, that makes sense. I like that, man. Uh, Those are like really good, really good tips. Cool. So one of my goals for 2018 is actually we build up a team. Yep. I had a good team when I was running my dropshipping stores, mm-hmm. but ever since I sold them, it was actually it was helpful to have 
not only to run the store and make the monthly income, but also when I sold the stores, it was easier to sell it with the VA and say, you know, you don't have to worry yeah, yeah. about much. It's a package deal. Yeah. So, but unfortunately, I lost the VAs when I when I sold the stores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just haven't really needed a VA since the the all I you know the only real person I hire is my podcast editor. Yep. So shout out to Anthony. For, you know, for, for doing this. But aside from that, I don't really have anyone else that's part of the team right now. Yeah. So one of my goals for 2018 is to rebuild that team. I'm starting it with the Nomad Summit. I'm, I'm having a few people help out with that. So instead yeah. of, you know, having a lot of the workload on my back, I'm spreading that out and kind of building a team that can hopefully help me do more events in the future. Yeah. But also, I want to start another business. Uh, I'll probably start another dropshipping store just because I know it works. Yeah. I know how to do it. And... By building a team like like you're doing, I can automate a lot of it and just have that cash flow and also you know flip it for a lot of money down the road. Yeah, absolutely. It just becomes an asset at that point, not something that you're so invested in. And I would advise anybody who's making enough money to live with some margin, I really advise anyone to hire a VA. I think Tim Ferriss talks about this in the 4-Hour Workweek, like hiring somebody even if you're not sure what you would have them do. But it's amazing the productivity I experience in business and just in life in general when I'm able to outsource some of the menial tasks. Just like mentally, I think I'm so much more freed up to think about like how how to grow my business or how to improve, you know, whatever aspect of life I'm trying to improve. And so I think a lot of people are scared about hiring like a full-time VA because they're like, well, I'm only making $2,000 a month. Do I really want to give, you know, 200 to $300 a month to a VA? But in yes, my experience, you do. yes, you absolutely do. Because there are things that you might not even be thinking about in your business, like ways to grow it or new, um, new markets that you could go into or whatever your business is. There are ways to grow it that aren't even occurring to you because so much of your mental energy is stuck doing like routine, like boring tasks. And then by the time you're done with that, you're sort of brain dead. And and so your business doesn't actually grow that much. Yeah. You're just tired. You're exhausted. Yeah. And even if you feel like, no, I'm not. I'm. This is like so simple. It doesn't tax my mind at all. It really does. And, yeah. and even, I mean, honestly, even with the, the editing of the podcast... I thought in my mind, it only takes me half an hour. I enjoy the process. Yeah. Like it's, you know, sometimes I'll like check Facebook while like, you know, things are ed- editing or, or converting. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like that big of a deal to me. But then when I really sat down and I was like, man, this is actually taking a lot of, of time. And this is time I could be doing something else, building a, another business, uh, or even, you know, just like sometimes I'll put off recording new episodes because I'm like, oh, right, well, now that I got to spend a few hours editing it, I don't have the, I don't have the time and the mental energy to do it. So now I only get the enjoyment of recording the episode, which I really like. And then I have someone else do the, the editing. Yep. That's all, you know, online now. I think my editor is actually in New York now. And I think he has editors some other places as well. Yeah. And now I'm actually going to hire someone to start marketing it better because even though this is a great podcast and the people that listen to it love it. And, you know, I'm sure all of you guys do your part by sh- telling your friends and leaving reviews and it helps it grow. But, I know this can reach so many more people, but I don't have the energy and time to market it myself. So 2018, first team member is going to be like a marketing manager to help me spread the word of this podcast and everything else I'm doing. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I think everybody should do it. Like I said, even if you don't know what you're going to have your VA do, just hire them. If after two or three months it doesn't work, you can let them go and you're not out that much money. But it's amazing like the little things you find that you can pass off that you wouldn't even consider up front. And, and even if you don't know what you're going to do once they're 
doing your work for you. Just trust it and wait and see. If you're an entrepreneurial driven person, you're going to find stuff to do and you're instantly going to be drawn to, to other ways to grow and improve your business and your life. As soon as that stuff is out of your head, all these ideas will come to you. I guarantee it. Um, I highly recommend everybody to get a VA. I love it. And speaking of Tim Ferriss, I actually met him a few weeks ago. Damn, name drop. That's awesome though. <laughs> I really want to meet Tim. Where'd you meet him? Uh, it was at Date with Destiny in Florida. Oh, cool. Was he attending or just dropping? He in? was attending. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and just you know, from we only spoke for a few minutes, but he said he really liked the conference. He got a lot out of it himself. He took a ton of notes, and I told him that you know about this podcast, gave yeah. him a sticker, and I just said thank you for you know being the inspiration for now hundreds of thousands of people. I know it's incredible to you know live a different life and live a. Not necessarily a four-hour work week, but having the option to be able to live a four-hour work week, be location dependent, you know, take advantage of the lo- location arbitrage and and make money online from wherever you are while spending less money with a better lifestyle. Absolutely, I don't think Tim knew what he was getting himself into or what he was starting probably when he wrote that book. But man, he's really changed life for a lot of people. I mean, I know he changed my life. Most of my friends now he's changed their life. Just really, really smart, revolutionary, and just like the impression I get off of listening to his podcast and reading his books, a very giving, caring guy too. Real inspiration for me. I'm very jealous. <laughs> yeah. And he's a really, really cool guy. And if you guys haven't read the four hour work week yet, that, that's then kind what of are the you Bible. Doing? You to, yeah. You have, you, have to, you have to read it. You just have to do it. And then yeah, read absolutely. Life Changes Quick After. So that's pretty much my follow up to it. That's like me. Actually, no, I guess 12 weeks in Thailand would be my follow up. As in just like the location independence part and just mm. living cheaply. And then Life Changes Quick would be like part two of that. Awesome. Man. But yeah, so what are your, your goals for 2018? Still figuring that out, honestly. And it's not all concrete, but I'm okay with that. Uh, big goal is automate this eBay store. And then beyond that, I know that I know it sounds really vague, but I just want to work on really experiencing life to the fullest. And that looks different now for me than it did when, when I first started traveling, when I would say like, I want to experience life to the fullest. It was like, I want to travel to a bunch of places. I want to go to some crazy parties. Like I want to work on a beach. I want to meet tons of people. Um, that's all good. I want to continue doing some of that. But for me now, like I think those things are like, I want to get better at cooking and I want to be in better shape and I want to sleep better. And I want to experience really, really good, deep, uh, meaningful relationships with people. And yeah, like I said, all this is a little vague and ambiguous, but that's a big goal for me to really work on quality of long-term life. And some of that will come by automating the business. Um, but a lot of it, I think, just got to wait and see. And I do want to do some travel too. I want to go to some places that I haven't been before and I want to go visit some friends that I haven't seen in a while. Stuff like that. No, that definitely makes sense. And not that it's a bad thing, but the Nomad 1.0 mindset is have experiences, which yep. is great, right? Seeing lo- lots of places, having lots of adventures and mm. parties and fun. And I think we almost kind of need to get that out of our system and you know take some cool photos, yep. see some cool places, have a lot of fun. But then the Nomad 2.0 version is still you know going and having experiences, but instead of just having it be a blur afterwards. Yeah. You know, we go there with intention. We say, okay, we're going to go to Budapest, but not just to take cool photos or yeah. see cool places, but maybe to visit friends and strengthen that relationship. Yeah. To maybe learn a skill, maybe learn a language or see some culture or totally. live like a local or, you know, just kind of immerse yourself a little bit deeper. Yeah. I think what's really cool 
what's really cool about the, as we've been calling it, like Nomad 1.0, is it teaches you so much about yourself that you wouldn't learn otherwise. Like before I started traveling, I was always, you know, curious. It's like, what if, what if, what if? Everything in my life was a what if. Like, what if I could live here? What if I could do this? What would my life be like if I made this much money? What would my life be like if I lived in this country? By traveling and and seeing the world and meeting people and like having lots of failures and also lots of successes and good times and bad times, I've gained so much knowledge about myself and so much self-awareness about myself that for the first time in my life, and I'm still young, so I still got a lot to learn and a lot of life ahead, but for the first time in my life, I'm in a point where I actually feel like I know what I want and I know what makes me happy and I don't have as much FOMO. I don't have as much fear of missing out. I'm not constantly wondering like, what if? Like right now, I'm not sitting here in Chiang Mai like, ah, oh, I wonder what it would be like to live here. What if I could live here? Like I've been to a lot of places and I know that this place takes a lot of boxes for me and I'm very confident and very settled and very at peace with that. And so I think that my big goal for 2018, while it might not sound glamorous to many people or that interesting, is just to settle more into that. Like I know myself pretty well now and I know what what I need to be content and I know ways that I want to improve as a person. And now like on the back of all that experience and all that travel and all those amazing people that I've met, I can like go in head first and be really confident in in making that lifestyle decision. I like that. That's amazing, man. Yeah, dude. What I, about you? What are your goals? So this is a, it's a hard question because I'm still trying to figure it out. I yeah. think going on a date with Destiny helped a lot with it. Uh, it's, it's a bit embarrassing to say, but the primary pur- purpose in my life, which is something that he – it took like, – it was literally like a eight-hour kind of exercise of trying to figure out what that big, big question is. And, you know, we write down all of our goals in life, all the things we, you know, we want to do, uh, all of our – beliefs that we want to go towards all the things that we want to avoid and at the end of the night literally they're like two or three in the morning when you're exhausted Mm -hmm. they have you write out that one primary question yeah of what is the one kind of determining focus of your life that you want to have everything else kind of go towards you know and everything that you do you ask yourself this question right yeah so every morning you know i've been looking at my vision board which i've 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 put on my my wall now the very first thing I've, i've been doing is I read, my, you know, I say my primary focus in this world is to give love to myself and to others. And I know it sounds a little bit cheesy to some people. No, dude, that's awesome. But what's what's really awesome about it is like the it kind of encompasses so much. And yeah. the reason why I put, you know, well, f- first off, even the love is I realize with all the things happening in the world right now, especially in the US, but really just worldwide, mm-hmm. there's so much anger and hate and there's so much negativity and uh, there's you know so much divide as well. Yeah. Love really is the one thing that, you know, really would bring all of us together and make everyone yeah, happier. Absolutely. You know? And it's one love is one of those things where the more you give, the more you actually have. Yeah. You know, and it's it's like a infinite resource that actually grows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also encompasses so many other things, right? So it's just from like a pragmatic or practical point of view. Uh, by giving love to myself first, you know, I am f- f- like filled, so then I have more to give to other people. Yeah, and absolutely. By love, you know, it could be a lot of things. So like for me personally, you know, one of my goals was to be in shape, mm-hmm. and, you know, and the reason why I want to be in shape isn't just for for me; is so I have more energy to be able to create things, whether it's business or yeah. money or experiences or things like that, to give back to others. So by giving love to myself first and having to be that that primary focus is saying, you know, if I, you know, feed myself with good food, if 
I put myself in good situations, um, you know, where I sleep well and I'm comfortable and I'm relaxed, you know, I'm getting massages, I'm eating healthy, I'm exercising, yeah. then I actually am able to, to, to do more and, and give more, you know, and then by giving love to the world or to others, you know, I'm able to not only grow my own kind of happiness and have those connections, but, you know, a lot of it is, you know, it's going to be kind of a spread of everything, right? Like, you know, being, you know, if I got into really good shape and people saw, hey, Johnny went from being overweight to being, you know, full of energy again, uh, having, you know, being, you know, just being happy and healthy. Yeah, uh, for sure. That could be an inspiration to a lot of people who listen to this podcast or see me, you know, speaking on stage or something like that. And then they can follow that as, you know, as a path of themselves, you know, by me making more money, I can give more money to my parents and have them have a good life and not, not stress. Uh, I can be more generous with my friends. I can start doing more things that don't necessarily even make money, but I know help the world or help friends or help others. And that's kind of, that's, that's not only my goal for 2018, but really going to be for the rest of my life. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's awesome. I fully, fully agree with everything you just said. And I think it's awesome that like you're in that place. I also think it's really cool. Just like even just having those sort of angles in mind as entrepreneurs or just as people. Um, it's so easy to get caught up in just the day to day, even when you're living like the dream, which is for many people like the nomad life. It's so easy to get caught up in the day to day, like wake up, go to a coffee shop, go to work, go meet up with some friends, like have some dinner, have some drinks, you know, go home, go to bed, rinse, repeat. And none of those things inherently are bad. But at a certain point, you lose direction, you lose motivation if you don't actually understand why you're doing things. And that's been a lot of the focus for 2017 for me is like figuring out why, why am I doing the things that I do? Why do I live the way that I live? And so like, why do we go out and make money? Like, it's very easy, because we get so emotionally attached to money to just like make more, make more, make more. And then I think anybody who's had money will tell you like ultimately you get depressed and you feel lost and no amount of money can fix that because you don't have your why you don't have your purpose you don't have your goal and so even just coming from the place of knowing that goal even if you don't know the exact steps you know to to make that come come true make that a reality just the fact that you have an end goal in mind that you're reiterating it to yourself that you're thinking positive about it that you're moving towards it mentally means that like you're going to accomplish so much in 2018 and probably be happier and more fulfilled for it I love that. I wonder though, if people first need to experience that part to be able to then say, really be able to say, but also believe that, you know, like when you hear people say, oh, money doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, money's not, not everything. It's usually from people who already have money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's easy to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or I guess also it could be an excuse for people who, who don't have any money and, and don't have any motivation and don't have the drive to do it or aren't willing to do what it takes, you know, and yeah, put no, in the work. Absolutely. And I, I think I'm all for everybody making money. I'm all for people being really successful, growing big businesses, six figure, seven figure businesses. I like, I totally support that. And like, I really, really respect people who do that. So I'm not, I'm not bashing that in any way. I think you're totally right. Like you have to experience both sides of something to really know like where you sit on it. Just like I, had to go and travel the world like Steph and I had to go travel and meet tons of people and go to dozens of countries and like and like learn all that just to just to get to a point where now we're in Chiang Mai and we're really happy and content and living a very normal life it might sound like we could have just skipped all that and <laughs> and why didn't you just stay at home and or just like move straight to Chiang Mai but having all the experience and experiencing like really really western places and then really third world places and and you know that whole breadth of experience has led us 
to a point of being confident and being focused and being really content. And also kills the FOMO. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've literally spent the last 10 months trying to find the next Chiang Mai or trying to find a better place, yeah. you know, because there's, there's pros and cons to every place, right? Mm-hmm. And everything in the world. And I've literally scoured the world trying to find a better place where the grass is greener. Yeah. And sure, the grass is greener in certain aspects, but then it's not as green for, for other, other yeah. things. So now that I'm back in Chiang Mai again, I appreciate it more. And also, I'm less uh, cynical about the, the downsides or the negatives because I'm like, oh, you know, I've been everywhere else. Yeah. You know, and I'm very, very happy and content here. Yeah. And everything ultimately is what you make it. Like, you're in, you know, your, your mindset determines everything in the end. And while, like, the actual life experiences that you have and the actual place that you're in and the food that you eat and the company that you keep is all very important at the, at the very end of it all is how you choose to view yourself, how you choose to view the world and what you choose to make of it. Like I think back to, you know, it was just a few years ago, but like when I was in my late teens and early twenties and I was making very, very little money and I was living in an apartment with four other dudes and I wasn't eating very well. And like, I wasn't experiencing any success, like by most people's standards, but those are some of the happiest years of my life broke and spending them with friends. And, you know, you could look at that from the outside and say, man, you, you probably were so much happier like in 2016 when you were like traveling around and you had more money. And to be honest, no, because I, I wasn't in the right mindset to appreciate it. And through all that experience and now coming into 2017, I actually feel the happiest probably that I've felt since I was like 18, 19, 20, living in an apartment with a bunch of dudes. And I because I know what yeah, makes me tick. That's awesome. And because you started a new business this year, I'm guessing you made less money this year in 2017 than you did in 2016. Actually, I think I made more or close. Wow. No, actually, no. I made I made less because I wasn't really profiting for the first half of the year. And then I did things like form an offshore corporation. And I had various expenses that, you know, sort of took out of it. Um, yeah. But I, I actually haven't even looked at the actual amount. But I do know that I'm happier. And I don't feel like I'm wanting for anything. So that's a that's good place cool. to be. And this is a great place to be, you know, for, for both of us, you know, kind of with this new, this new mindset of having some of the creature comforts of being back home. I used to think, honestly, I was originally planning on saying, okay, I, I, I am sick of living out of a duffel bag. Yeah. I want like the creature comforts of home. And I really considered moving back to the US, either California mm-hmm. or Austin, and just you know having a normal life for a while and then just using it as a home base and traveling from there. But I was also afraid I was going to get stuck. My expenses were going to be so high. Mm-hmm. I added everything up. It was gonna, I was, to live the same life, I would live here. You know, because I had, I would have all these extra bills, I'd have to get car insurance, I'd have, have to, to get car furniture. insurance, buy, yeah, <laughs> buy all this stuff. It would be like five grand a month versus here, even living this amazing lifestyle, even paying a thousand dollars for rent, which is literally three times what other people pay or more, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm still, you know, only spending up, you know, I, I haven't done my math for this month yet, but I'm assuming it's going to be two thousand dollars or so, which really isn't that bad no. especially if you're making you know over 100,000 a year and i think it's that mindset of being i i think i was stuck in that 1.0 mindset where i was like i need everything to be cheap yeah i need to bootstrap everything you know i need to take advantage of this location arbitrage versus now i also realize for long term happy nomading we need to have that third category which this is something that that we were talking about over coffee before we started recording is you had mentioned that when you first start out, when you first become a digital nomad, you start you know living abroad, there's only two modes. 
Yeah, the modes are at least in the nomad circle. You know, I don't. This doesn't apply to backpackers and stuff, but this is my experience and the experience I think of many friends. And it might not be everybody's experience, but there's sort of two modes when you start out as a digital nomad, remote entrepreneur, traveling around, building a business. There's work mode which is grinding away in a coffee shop or a co-working space. Like, I'm sure we've all met people who it's like, wow, you live in this amazing place, but you're working like 14 hours a day, which is totally fair. Like, they, they might be bootstrapping or trying to build a new business, like more power to them for going out and making it happen. But you're either in work mode where you're just like hyper-focused on work and work consumes your every thought, or you're in play mode, which is going out to parties or going and seeing tourist sites or like if you're in Chiang Mai, going on motorbike trips up to the mountains or going to Pai or, or going out to the river for the day or whatever. And then what I was saying to Johnny earlier is for me, the longer I've been on the road, I'm realizing that these are only two pieces of like a three piece puzzle for life. Like there's work mode, play and, mode. And, and that's not even just you because not only does it apply to me, but all the people I've met, I've literally met now thousands of digital nomads. Yeah. That's literally a slogan and a sticker called work hard, play hard. Yeah. Work hard, play hard, which is, you know, totally fine. But the, there's this third sphere of life, which Steph and I have been sort of very consciously trying to reintroduce and it's been so satisfying and I don't know what to call it like we've we've called it like idle or even boring and that's like the stuff that you do before you start traveling and living this amazing digital nomad lifestyle it's like you call a friend and they come over with a six pack of beers and they sit on the couch and you just like chat about your day or you watch a movie um, or you uh, play a board game with some friends. Like I've got a friend here and we've been doing this like evening routine where a few evenings a week, we'll just message each other like, hey, you done with work? Go grab a beer. We'll go to a small bar just like right down here, halfway between our houses. We'll literally get one beer. We'll sit for like 45 minutes, an hour and just be like, yep, how was your day? I, you know, it's only been like 12 hours, 24 hours since we've seen each other. So we don't have lots to catch up on, but we'll just chat about the day, chat about the weather. Like this is not the exciting stuff that people get into the digital nomad life for. But then we go home and those little like relational interactions and simple, simple activities and not trying to go make something, earn money or experience something or like or, or you know, do an activity. Those little like idle moments in between are so, so satisfying when you've been on the road for a while. And we're just loving having that. Yeah, and I 100% agree. And that's something I've been incorporating in my life so much. And the reason why I wanted a bigger, nicer apartment where I can have friends over but also I can just enjoy being in and not mm-hmm. feel like I need to leave the house because it's you know small and cramped and there's not enough natural light is that third mode, you know, which you can call being idle, being mundane, normal, being normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, I guess, and here's the thing is back home in normal life, sometimes that's all we do is we have the normal normal. Yeah, sometimes it's just work and mundane and yeah. very little play. Yeah. And you need more of that. And that's, I think, why a lot of people get into the nomad life and they go really hard on the play. They go hard on partying. They go hard on weekend activities for the first like few months because they're just so starved for it yeah. in their other, in their previous life. And they need to get some of that into their lifestyle. They need to get some of that energy out of their system. But, you know, you sort of settle and equalize after a while. Yeah. But unlike a, just a traveler or a backpacker who maybe just have that part where they just have the, the play part. Which, you know, you're not going to do forever. You know, some, yeah. pe- some people do for a year, which is a long time, but then you're exhausted by the end of it. Mm-hmm. The first, you know, by being a backpacker, or being in just pure play mode, you, you're first off not earning money. So you're just living off of savings. Yep. Second, you're not having that normal life. So you're not like resting, regenerating. You're just having the extremeness, which is fun. Yep. And I think this, 
you know, Nomad 2.0 lifestyle, it really is the perfect balance where we can have all three. And we can have all yeah. three regardless of where we are in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, like, no matter what point of the process and the journey anyone's on, like, just keep auditing your life. Like, keep asking yourself every month or a couple months, like, what what's going well? What's not going well? Like, I'm really in this mindset also because it's the end of the year and I'm thinking about, like, whoa, 2017 was crazy. Like, what's coming up? But asking these questions regularly, like, Am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Like, what do I need to change? Or how can I experiment? Because, like, life is really ours for the taking. Like, we we do have the power and the freedom. Most of us um, we are very lucky to have that power and freedom to change our life and build our life the way we want. And so it's almost a waste to just let it pass by and not question it. Even if it seems amazing from the outside, like, why are you going to change anything? You're just traveling around and, like, living the dream. Always be asking, like, what can I do differently? Like, how can I be more fulfilled? How can I uh, be more content? Like, what do I need to cut out? What do I need to add in? And eventually, we'll all get there. I love it, buddy. It's been it's been fun. Yeah, dude, it's been awesome. So I'm gonna try this new thing at the end of the end, end of the show. I don't know how it's gonna work, what you're gonna say, <laughs> or Uh-oh. if it's gonna be a complete fail. But one thing that I've always kind of uh, wished I had time for was kind of just be able to quickly spew out some of my my. Like random tips, even had nothing to do with what we talked about. Mm. Things that you like, it could be like your favorite software, your favorite apps, your favorite toys, or favorite pieces of advice, or just really anything, right? So let's let's just give it a shot, you know, and just in just really quickly in one or two minutes. Yeah. What are some things that you want to leave the audience? Things that I want to leave the audience. I'm really loving going outside, loving playing frisbee. I like having a coffee maker at home. That's really good. Coffee makers are good. I didn't have a coffee maker for a long time. Love having an apartment with windows. If you're not living somewhere with windows, get some freaking windows. Also, I'm loving having this big water jug in the corner that has a spout on top because it's a lot like tap water. And people who've lived in Asia will understand this. Like you're always drinking out of bottles. It's so nice to have something that I just push a button and it comes out like a tap. That might sound really weird, but (laughs) absolutely loving that. Absolutely loving that. Bicycles are great. Love bicycles. Love dogs. Dogs are pretty great, too. If you can have a dog, have a dog. Also, being married is awesome. Highly recommend being married. Shout out to Steph, who's over there working. It's Sunday. You shouldn't be working. Close your computer. Close it. She's the boss. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just really good to see you, dude. It's really good to see you. Like, And I really appreciate spending time with you. And I just appreciate relationships in general. We're so lucky that we have friends that care for us and want to spend time with us. And so... Whoever's listening to this, like, go tell someone you love them and spend some time with somebody you appreciate today. It's going to make your whole day, like, ten times better. Well, guess what, Nick? I appreciate you and I love you. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, uh, I love all you guys. Everyone who's listening, the fact that you guys spend an hour with me every every week or every two weeks and you, you know support the show by telling your friends but even just even if you never did like just the fact <laughs> that you guys are listening yeah. you know and you, you allow us to share our lifestyle the things we've learned the mistakes that we've made it's it's really nice you know like it's totally, it's magical man. that we're we're living in a world now where we can do this because i mean even just 10 years ago there wasn't like people didn't have podcasts people yeah, couldn't absolutely. just download an app to, to listen man. to this and this is now worldwide and this is this is this is amazing man so for sure for sure it's been really good dude it's good to catch up with you all right so good catching up uh let's let's hang out and uh for everyone listening if you guys haven't been out to chiang mai yet come check it out you might like it if you want some tips on more about chiang mai or thailand just search on johnnyfd.com for 
Johnny's Guide to Chiang Mai, which is like for long time living, or Johnny's Guide to Thailand, which is more for for tourists, something you can share if someone just has like a week or two to come. They're they're free. They're on the blog, johnnyfd.com. Uh, Nick, if people want to keep in touch with you, are you on social media? Do you- um, I've been I've been sort of inactive on social media. Many people in the nomad sphere will know that I made YouTube videos for a while. Haven't really been putting up videos, so that's not a good place to find me. And um, I'm not very active on Facebook and stuff. But you can reach out to me on Twitter if you want to say hey. Twitter.com/slash Nick Danforth. I also try and post photos on Instagram, so you can comment on those or view my Instagram story or follow or whatever. That's Instagram.com/slash Nick Danforth. So just my name. Super easy to remember. Would love if you said hey. Very cool. Uh, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. If you want to screenshot it, put it on your Instagram story, give a little shout to, or link to Travel Like a Boss podcast, or however you want to tell your friends about the show. Or if you want to leave a review and give us the best present ever. Either way, I love you. Happy New Year. And happy New Year. See you guys all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, Join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.